Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today, whether you're online or in person. So for those of you in person, we do have the connection cards at the end of all the rows. If you would, fill those out. Let us know that you're here. Also, at the bottom, there's a section on there to put down prayer requests. Whatever you want to list there, certainly please do if you want prayer. We have a team that prays over those every week. If you're online, uh, on the page there, there's a little box that you can click on. Click there. It's the virtual connection card. Let us know that you're there. Also, in the 9 o'clock service while we're live, we do have hosts that are online that would certainly love the opportunity to pray for you. So if you would, stand with me as we prepare to sing. So in Philippians 2, Paul is writing a letter to the church there. And really, we talked this morning about the fact that so much of the Bible has really happened in life. A lot of these are letters that they're writing to people. So there in Philippians, Paul was writing to the church when he told them, hey, stop thinking about you. Let's reflect for a minute on Christ, who he is, and what he did. So there in Philippians 2, Paul wrote about Christ when he said, Being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that's above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. So if you would join us this morning, and let's really reflect on the glory and the majesty of our God.
So Paul again wrote, this time to the Colossians, when he was again describing Jesus. He said that he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. So if I take just a minute on that, and my small groups heard me kind of geek out on what that means, the visible and the invisible. He was writing that under the inspiration at that time. But now here we sit 2,000 years later. We can really start to finally grasp what he meant when we can think about the invisible things that he referenced that he didn't even know about. The microbes, right? the viruses, even the atoms of which the entire universe is made of, God created down to that level. Also, the majesty of the entire universe that he couldn't even see at that time. We, could, we still can't even see it today, 2,000 years later, with the telescopes that we've got. But the visible and the invisible. Just kind of reflecting there on that moment of the glory of God. So if we back up now and restart that, really thinking about that whole phrase. For by him, all things were created on heaven and on earth, both visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Let's continue and sing about this God that created all of that, even the things that we still can't see even today. And I'm no longer a 
And I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child Sing that over yourself No, I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God I am I am a child of God Yes, I am I am a child of God Thank you. 
Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this wondrous mystery. Lord, you made the way to bring us back to you. Father, we were broken, and we recognize that. But you made the path, the only path. So, Father, I just thank you for that. I also thank you for the mystery of how we, in our broken state, in all the troubles that we face in this world, Lord, that we can come back to you, and you'll just throw your arms around us, and you'll love us in those most difficult times. So, Father, I pray that you would just keep that promise fresh in our minds as we go through our weeks. Lord, I just thank you for the, the glory that you are. We've sung about your name this morning. And, Lord, we just want to give you the glory because you are the one that created all of this. And even though you created all of this as large as it is, Father, you care for each and every one of us. So we thank you for that. All these things in your name I pray. Amen. And you may be seated. Well, good morning. Welcome to Springbrook. We are so glad that you are with us this morning. So I have a funny story to share with you. This is a, it's one of those transitions from a very reflective song into a, okay, now somebody's talking moments. But I'm standing in the back waiting to come out, and uh, I smell barbecue. <laughs> so I'm sitting back there. I'm, so I stuck my head in there, and there's little Smokies in this pot back there. And I don't know if your little Smokies are little sausages and they're in barbecue sauce and so it's for the worship team. So I'm sitting there thinking, I'm trying to ignore it. I'm trying to ignore it. I thought, I'm just going to go have one. So I went back there. I popped some little Smokies in my mouth and I'm chewing them. And I'm thinking, I got to go out there and welcome everybody in just a moment. I got sausage in my mouth. <laughs> so I'm drinking water and so I'm trying to, I'm trying to you know, get acclimated to, to speaking after just cramming little Smokies in my mouth. But we are so glad that you are with us today. <laughs> I need my bottle of water. <laughs> if this is your first or second time with us, uh, my name is Richard. I'm the lead pastor of Springbrook, and we're so glad that you are with us. If you're online with us this morning, we're glad you're with us as well. In fact, it was so fun uh, connecting with and talking with some of you online. I love our online community. Uh, we've got some people that uh, watch from a distance. We've got some people that are traveling. And so if you're watching online with us this morning, be sure to say hello in the chat. We're glad you're with us. And we are so glad that you are with us uh, in person today as well. You've got that connection card that's in your seat. And so you can take that out at any point during the service and just uh, put your name on there. The names of any adults that are with you, just let us know that you're here with us. There's a place for you to share your prayer requests uh, that you might have. And there's a box in the back. Uh, you can drop it in on your uh, way out this morning. Hey, this weekend is the last weekend. If you know anybody that's interested in working with our, uh, our Center Lake Bible Camp, um, up in uh, Michigan, a great opportunity, great pay, get to work with some kids. Uh, they still have an open, uh, some open positions. Uh, so if you're looking for maybe you're home from school or from college and you're looking for a job during the summer, this is a great um, opportunity uh, for you. We've got some brochures um, out at the Ministry Center counter, so you can pick one of those up. It's got some information about the camp and about the internships as well. But if you have any questions, you go to our website or just let us uh, know if you have any questions. And then today, we just want to make a, a formal announcement from a church perspective. I know um, we've met with our elder board and our staff and our children's ministry, and we had a, uh, a church-wide uh, Zoom gathering um, uh, last Thursday at 7, and so many of you made that uh, to there. But if you have not heard yet, Michelle Howe, our children's director, has got a new job opportunity um, at Judson, and so uh, she's going to be stepping back from our children's ministry director position, and next Sunday is her last Sunday here. So I just want to personally thank Michelle for 10 years of serving our children's ministry um, well. 
you can go to our, go to our uh, website. Uh, we've got the information uh, we covered during the Zoom call. It's got her letter. It's got some other information that you might find beneficial. If you have not downloaded our app yet, um, there's information uh, there as well. So you can just text Springbrook app to 77977. And all the news and events that are relative uh, to Springbrook, um, you can find information uh, there as well. We are also looking at doing some things with our VBS. I know Michelle has been an integral part of the leadership team for that. Uh, Michelle and Rebecca have been working on some transition plans. And uh, just because of the nature of the work that needs to be done behind the scenes, um, we, we uh, just are, are not going to be able to uh, host a VBS this year. But, uh, but reaching kids in our community and our church are so important to us. And so rather than host uh, the full VBS that we've done historically, um, we're going to be hosting uh, an event called Kids Connect. Um, we're looking at hosting it during the same time. I know many of you have signed up uh, to serve. And let me just encourage you that you know, Michelle has been working diligently for months uh, trying to recruit some of these positions so that we could minister to kids. And so we have several of you, many of you have signed up uh, to serve during VBS. And so Rebecca uh, Suarez is going to be stepping in uh, to provide some uh, leadership during this transition. And so she's going to be working with you to try and narrow down the dates. We think it's going to be that, still that week of VBS, but we have to work with our volunteers and see how things uh, come together. So please watch uh, our website, and uh, we'll have some information out for you next week. Um, if you go to springbrook.org slash kidsconnect, it's on our app as well. Um, you'll see an idea of some of the things that we're going to be looking at as we move towards June to help us, uh, help us connect with families and kids in our community. Summer's a huge opportunity for us to connect with people uh, in our community, and so we don't want to have that slip by. So if you have any questions, uh, please be sure to visit our website where you can talk to any of our um, leaders. Um, next Sunday is the last Sunday for three key staff uh, at Springbrook. Pastor Matt, I know many of you are already aware uh, Pastor Matt's taking a lead pastor position down in Glenview. Uh, Michelle's got a position down at Judson. And then uh, Shannon Miller, our office assistant, uh, her husband's got a job in Tennessee. And so next weekend is all of their last weekends. Uh, we have a guest speaker next week. I know people are going to be traveling. And so we wanted to take some time today uh, just to be able to celebrate them. So I'd like to ask them uh, to come out. I think Michelle's back there. Shannon, if you want to uh, make your way up uh, the side there. I'll hold your hand on that. There you go. <laughs> Get that handrail. <laughs> and so I just want to say a couple things. We've got some of our elders are going to come out in just a moment. We want to pray over you. Uh, but if you're watching online with us this morning right now, uh, thank you to Pastor Matt. <laughs> when we went into COVID, it was right coming off of a pastoral transition. Um, our ministry was undergoing some major shifts uh, in leadership, and Pastor Matt stepped in to provide some significant direction for our online ministry. In fact, there were several weeks. We had to, I did a, a thing on my phone on Facebook on March 23rd, and I think by March 30th, we were in full swing with cameras and an online ministry. And so uh, I am just so grateful for the leadership that you provided our ministry. I'm so grateful for the transition uh, for our small groups. You've done a fantastic job um, working with our small groups. I know our, our youth ministry, um, you were a significant part of seeing the infrastructure and the foundation laid for that. And so I am just, I'm really going to miss you. So <laughs> I want to thank you for uh, all that you've done. And then Ms. <laughs> And then uh, Michelle has just been in instrumental in a transition for our children's ministry. Um, we restructured that entire ministry. We, we redid Kids City. We moved to an entire uh, large group gathering for kids. And so you oversaw some significant transitions in our children's ministry. And, um, you know, I tell uh, when I'm talking to people about serving uh, opportunities at Springbrook, 
this is the worship team is probably the hardest one to find people to serve in because you're trying to find people that have specific gifts for instrumentation or vocalist and so it's really hard to find people to engage in serving on our worship team. If you have any inclination or interest, please uh, talk with Bethany, uh, but we want to encourage you to get connected on the worship team. But that children's ministry schedule, that's difficult. There's a difference between hard and difficult. And I look at the open spots on those positions. I look at the teachers and the number of kids and the difficulty it is just trying to manage um, our volunteers. And you have done such a fantastic job uh, managing our children's ministry. And then Michelle is also our treasurer. And uh, we have just every year, uh, we see improvements in our financial reporting. We get clarity around our finances. And so you have just been such a valuable member of our team. So I know Pastor Matt's going to Glenview. I'm glad you're going to be staying. So Michelle's not moving. So So I'm so grateful you're going to still continue to be a part of our community. I want to thank you uh, for all the work that you've done. And then Shannon... Shannon has been blessed with the opportunity to work with me. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. thank you. You've been a blessing between cell phones, uh, calls, emails, receipts. Um, you know, Shannon does a great job um, helping us with that weekly email that many of you receive. And so the behind-the-scenes part of our ministry, you and Robin both do a fantastic job uh, supporting us. So we want to just let you know how much we appreciate you. And you're moving to Tennessee, and that's happening pretty soon. So... I know we're going to miss you. No more moves. <laughs> and so I'm really going to miss uh, you and Mike, but I want to thank you for just your leadership. So that's all you've done. So we have some cake that's out in the lobby after the service this morning. We want to invite you to stop by uh, to get a piece of cake. Uh, I think all three of you will be out there. You can stop to uh, just to talk with them, congratulate them. Um, and I just want to encourage you to continue to encourage them through this transition. Um, in fact, you've got that, um, that phone number you can text uh, on your connection card. It's on our website as well. If you just want to text story um, to that number, you'll have an opportunity. If you want to share an encouraging word or a letter or something that you know that we can pass on to any of them, please uh, share stories so we can encourage them on their way out. Next Sunday is going to be your last weekend that we want to celebrate you guys uh, today. Our elders are going to come out now. We've got a couple of elders that are going to come out. We want to pray over you as we commission you and send you out for what God has for you next. I'm so grateful for the time that you were here, and we look forward to what God has for you as he continues to lead you uh, with wisdom and clarity. And so one of you guys want to pray, and that would be great. Oh, Lord, we want to thank you for the time that you've given us with Matt and Michelle and Shannon, that you have allowed them to be here to serve you and us Uh, for different amounts of time, but each one in their way and with their gifts to bless each one of us. And we claim to be a sending church here at Springbrook. Mm. So we are praying and sending each one of them off to their new endeavors, whether it's uh, Matt leading a ministry up in Glenview, Michelle serving and working at Judson. And Shannon, as she and Mike move down to Tennessee, I pray, Lord, if each area that as we send them out, we bless and you bless them, that they would just continue to be servants of yours and that they would be lights and salt to those around them, that they would share your love, your peace, 
your grace and mercy with all those around them. We, pr we pray, Lord, that, that they would be lifted up, that they would feel your presence every step of the way, and that we here, as we send them out, can give praise for the time that we've had with them, and that we can pray for their continued service in your name, wherever they are. So, Lord, again, we thank you for the time that we've had with them, the blessing that they've been to each of us, and we pray their continued success and their striving to be your servants. And we lift this all up in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Good job. <laughs> I'm going to invite up at this time. We have more people to send today. Um, high school seniors and Kyle. And I think only one high school senior is coming up because the rest are sleeping in. And one told me they would only be at second service. And then others this morning at 8.50 told me they'd only be at second service. So... Um, this poor young man who's coming up here. He thought there was going to be a wall of people, but it's just going to be him. It's a you sandwich. A sandwich. No, you have to be in the middle. So, Well, so, oh, hold on. I can't say your name. So you're going to tell us your name, where you just graduated from, and where you're going to school? My name is Sam Jerzak. I just graduated from Jacobs High School and I will be going to the University of Louisville. And he was brave and willing to come up for service alone. So we're going to pray over you. And then he's going to come back second service and we pray over him and others because there's a few others. But sorry, people at home, you'll never know. So, um, But let's pray. Father, um, I thank you for Sam. Um, I thank you for him being here. I thank you for the way you are working in his life. I thank you for the way he, um, he's involved in our children's ministry. I thank you for just his heart for you. Um, I, I thank you for just his awesome attitude. And I, I'm just glad that we get a chance to pray over him. Um, we pray over our other seniors as well that will hopefully be here for the second service. But, but we just thank you. Um, for these seniors. Um, I've been here seven years, and so I, I actually found a picture of Sam the other day from my first year at VBS when he, he looked like a little boy, and it was just cool to see just how he's grown. And Lord, I know that you're growing him. I know you're growing the other seniors, and I know that you know what is in store for them as they go off to school. And so I pray for Sam and for the other seniors that you would just be providing for them a, a church and a community and, and a people who love you. And I pray that as they go there, they would be salt and light and that you would just use them to bless the people around them. Um, I thank you for the blessing that Sam has been. Um, and I, I just praise you for just this time to send him. Thank you just for the way you grow people and prepare and send them. And we just thank you that we get to be a part of that. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
right, a lot of good things happening. I am so grateful that God is in control. Amen. <laughs> a uh, Easter was over a month ago. Does anybody remember Easter? It just seems like it was just, I mean, that's like a forgotten memory, isn't it? So just, it, just time flies. It was a long time ago. We got graduations coming up, summer's out. You know, we skipped spring for some reason. I don't, we seem to go from winter to summer, you know, for some reason. And our calendars start to pack up and and so we forget the, the specialness of Easter. <laughs> Easter is over, but, but the resurrection that we celebrated, that changes every single day for how we live our life. One of the problems we have is, is that we celebrate major events at, at specific times of the year, and then we kind of drift back into our previous ways of living our lives. We, we have a tendency to think about these events, and then other things cram into our lives, and we just forget about them. And and so that happens with Easter. You know, at Easter, everybody's talking about Jesus. Everybody's talking about the resurrection of Jesus. Every church, it's the resurrection Sunday. And then we get to the next Sunday, and it's like, boom. <laughs> Where are we going to lunch? <laughs> the resurrection changes everything. It affects our worldview. And so everything that we know about Jesus and everything that we celebrate on that Easter is, continues to carry through with us is throughout each day. It's something that influences our worldview and influences us on a, a daily basis. And I know some of you are curious right now about the world population. <laughs> As of this morning, there's 8,034,500,000 people. The population since Easter has gone up over 8 million. The popula- Every time the earth spins, it goes up significantly. Since Easter, over 8 million people have been added to our population. That offsets those that went to be with the Lord. Eight million is a big number. That is bigger than 40 of the 50 states' populations in the United States. It is a huge number. You know, and it's easy for us to think about, well, that's maybe in China and India, you know, whatever. The United States, I believe, is the third largest country in the world. And so we're seeing huge amounts of population increase and very few of them are being born into families and into relationships where they're going to hear about who Jesus is. And it's easy for us to dismiss this until it hits close to home, until it hits something personally. I've got a grandchild that's going to be born next week. I'm going to be another grandpa, so next week or due date, so I thought maybe it should be this week. So I've got a grandbaby coming into the world. And you know what's going to happen? It's going to go up by one. It's going to go up to 876, and it's going to be my grandbaby. <laughs> You know, when you think about, when you look around what's happening in our community, we're seeing new homes, people are moving into this community. And so we've got a problem from a state perspective, but in our area, people are still moving into this area. We're seeing homes, people are moving into the area. And so there's people here today that were not here last week. And so we're seeing population increases in our, in our area. And then you know what, at Springbrook, we have seen 100 new faces this year so far. So we see new people at Springbrook all the time. And so it's easy for us to dismiss the impact of what's happening, you know, from a, you know, from a population perspective until you stop to think about what it means for us. You know, I'm praying for my grandbaby that she would come to understand her need for a relationship with Christ. I'm praying for people that are moving into our community that they would find a church where they could come here about the, the hope that we have in Christ. And I'm praying for, for the community that, we, that will have an impact on it. And I'm praying for those new families that are, are connecting to Springbrook, that they would find a place where they are cared about, where they can grow in their faith, and they can understand the fullness of what it means to have a relationship with Christ. And so it's easy for us to dismiss, you know, these kind of, kind of numbers, but we have to think about the mission that God has given us on a daily basis, not just an annual basis around the holidays. 
In Romans 10, 14 says, how are they going to call on his name if they've not believed in him? How are they going to believe in him if they have never heard of him? And how are they going to hear without somebody proclaiming the good news? We have a responsibility to share the good news that we have in Christ with others on a daily basis, not just around the holidays. It's easier during the holidays because everybody else is doing it. But it's a daily calling for us to live out our faith in a way that others are drawn to him. You know, we took a survey. I had a couple of people that actually did go out and ask somebody. But I want to encourage you. It wasn't just something we did Easter. These are great questions for you to ask somebody every day. (laughs) Find somebody new. So I had somebody, I asked them, I said, hey, did you take that survey? Yeah, I already did that. I said, when did you do it? So back at Easter, I said, well, do it again. (laughs) Do it every day. These are great questions to ask people on on a daily basis. You know, do you believe in God? Do you believe Jesus is God? Do you believe that he's in heaven? And so looking for opportunities to engage in spiritual conversations is an important part of what it means to be excited about the implications of the resurrection, not just on Easter. And we've got some cards uh, out of the lobby uh, at the ministry center counter. They're little uh, uh, gospel cards. It's, you know, how to, how to talk about your faith, how to share your faith. And, and Bill Zaletti uh, and his team got some of those out. So if you want to pick one of those up, um, you know, it's a great resource for you to think about how can you engage in conversations with uh, people around you. But I want to encourage you that uh, if you've done that, or if you do that next week, you know, to, to text the word story to that phone number. And then um, it's, that number's on your connection card as well. So if you can't see the number, it's on your, on your connection card. And by the way, this is the same phone number and the same story link that I asked you to use if you want to pass on a note of encouragement uh, to any of our staff. And so that, that's an interactive number that you can uh, share with us. We can help you know, get you connected. So if you have any questions, you can text questions too. So it's designed to help us to be able to engage in conversation together. You know, but we're in a series and we're looking at the appearance of Jesus since his resurrection and then prior to his ascension. And so we've been moving through these different appearances. And so we've moved past the eight days. We're now in that period where we don't have the exact dating, but it's somewhere over the next few weeks uh, before the ascension. And we're going to be in, uh, we're going to be in John chapter 21. That's where we're going to be this morning. We're going to break that up into two, two pieces. We're going to do John 21 this week, and then two weeks we're going to finish it up. Next week we have a special guest that's going to come in uh, to share with us on the Great Commission from Matthew 28. But we're looking at these different appearances of Jesus between the point that he was resurrected and the point that he ascends to heaven and the lessons and the principles that we can glean and why those are relevant for us today. And we're in John chapter 21. Uh, if you brought a Bible, you can turn with me to... Uh, John 21, and you go to the middle and start turning to the right, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, in, uh, chapter 21. If you're online, you can click that link, or you can just listen as I read, beginning in verse 1 of John chapter 21. After this, after Jesus appeared to the disciples, he's appeared to Thomas, and after those appearances, he revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two other disciples were together. Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we're going to go with you. So they went out, they got in a boat that night, and they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered, no. He said to them, well, cast your net out on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. So they cast it out, and now they were not able to haul it in because the quantity of fish was so great. The disciple who Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for his strip for work 
and he threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came out in the boat, they're dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far off from the land, they were about 100 yards off. When they got out of the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net of fish ashore, 153 of them. Although there were, two, there were so many, the net was not even torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. And now none of the disciples dared ask who you are. They all knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and he took the bread and he gave it to them and so with the fish. And this was now the third time that Jesus had revealed himself in this way to the disciples after he was raised from the grave. And so I want to stop there, verse 14. We're going to pick up in verse 15 in two weeks. But I want to look at some principles, some lessons that we can learn just from these first 14 verses. These verses tell us a story about an encounter with a risen Jesus Christ. They reveal the power of a transformed life to us as we read through some of the things that we'll learn from the disciples and Peter. Encountering Jesus has the power to transform our lives, to to renew our purpose, and to give us a sense of hope and bring us into a, a relationship with a living God that loves us. The appearance of Jesus to these seven is only found here in John. It's unique to uh, all the other uh, Gospels, and so it's a unique perspective that God has given John, so we don't find it in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And so the disciples have found themselves by the Sea of Galilee. It's sometimes referred to as the Sea of Tiberias, and so those are synonymous. There was once a, uh, a military leader, a great military leader named Tiberius, and, and uh, he helped carry out the expansion of the Roman Empire up into what's the modern-day Germany. And so Tiberius had a, had a summer home or a winter home on the Sea of Galilee. And so sometimes when they were referring to the sea, they'd call it you know, the Sea of Tiberius because of his home there, but it's really called the Sea of Galilee. But they're at the Sea of Galilee, and, uh, and they're waiting for the appearance of Jesus. So they've gone to Galilee from Jerusalem, 90 miles you know, it's probably a three-day journey, and they're in Galilee, and they're waiting for the appearance of Jesus. And so, why Galilee? Why are they in Galilee? Well, Matthew, in chapter 28, after Jesus appeared the first time to the ladies, an angel said to the women, don't be afraid. I know you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay, and then go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he's going to go before them to Galilee, and there you will see him. See how I've told you this. And so they're going to Galilee in anticipation of being able to see Jesus. Now, Mark records this a a little bit different way. (laughs) Mark says that the angel appeared to them and said, don't be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who's uh, been crucified, he's risen, he's not here. See the place where he laid, and then he says, but go and tell his disciples, and be sure to tell Peter. Go and tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told you. And so Mark kind of highlights Peter as one of the disciples. You know, Mark does that for a specific reason. You know, the book of Mark um, focuses uh, on our personal choices. And so as you're reading through the book of Mark, you get a a real sense of discipleship failure. (laughs) In fact, when you think about the book of Mark, I have one of my New Testament professor said, you know, he really calls it the, the book of discipleship failure. Because as you're reading down through there, you constantly see, more than in any other book, the poor decisions that the disciples make. And so Mark, as he's writing, will flush out Peter. He's probably the most critical. And so he, he flushes out 
Peter. And, and, and there's a purpose for that because when we get to this story in John chapter 21, we're going to see that Peter plays a specific role, and it's not by, it's not by accident. But the disciples have gone to Galilee, and they have not seen Jesus yet. So they're in Galilee, and they're waiting to see him. Our verse opened up with the fact that Jesus would reveal himself to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. He will reveal himself in this way. And so they're there. Jesus has not revealed himself to them yet. Here's the way in which he's going to reveal himself to them. Does that make sense? And so we're going to see the story unfold of how Jesus would reveal himself in this way. But what's important to understand is that they are waiting. They got to Galilee. They made the journey. And they are now waiting for Jesus to show up. How good are you at waiting? Do we like to wait? You know, I know that waiting is something that I am not good at. In fact, I've got this verse in my office. Be still. Be still. Know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted among the earth. Waiting is not something that any of us typically are good at. I was talking to one of the men from our small group last week, and his wife was scheduled to have surgery, and they canceled it. And he said, well, now we're just going to wait. And I was like, you're going to wait? How can you wait for something like that? And we typically don't like to wait. You know, we're finishing our 40-day resurrection reading plan on the Version Bible app. And last week, I was really confronted with the importance of waiting. You see, I spend almost all of my time looking forward. You know, I'm constantly thinking about what I have to do next week. I'm constantly trying to answer questions about Hey, what's happening in children's ministry? I don't know. I'm thinking about it. I am constantly looking forward. I'm constantly thinking about a plan. I'm constantly praying. I'm praying, and I'm looking forward with eager anticipation to what God's going to do. And that's just by nature how I'm, how I'm wired. And last week, I was confronted with the fact that if you're going to spend all your time looking forward to things that you can't control, it's going to drive you nuts. I mean, there's things that you're supposed to do in the moment. We have responsibilities. We can't just say, oh, I'm going to wait, you know, let go and let God. You know, that, that's not biblical. <laughs> We're to trust God. We have responsibilities, but we can't dwell on those things that we can't control. That's what Jesus tells the disciples. Look, don't worry about tomorrow. Let tomorrow take care of itself. You've got enough trouble today. And when you're constantly looking forward, your expectations are so high that you're, you're not going to get them met. And, and if we're always looking forward, then we're not going to be able to enjoy the blessing that comes from waiting. You see, there are blessings that come from us when we are waiting. For those things that have not yet happened, there's, there's a joy that is to be found when we're waiting that we're robbed of if we focus and fret on the future. We can't let the future interfere and rob us of the joy of what it means to be waiting. I was in India a couple years ago, and we were traveling to some different house churches, and every time we got to a house church, something would happen, and we'd get a little further behind, a little further behind, a little further behind. By the time we got to the last, the last house church that we were going to visit, we were we were almost three hours behind on our agenda. We were supposed to be there at 5. It's like 8 o'clock at night, and so we headed that way, and I'm thinking, there's no way people are going to be waiting for us for three hours. 
would you wait for threat? If you got here at 9 o'clock, how long would you wait before somebody showed up? <laughs> They'd been waiting for three hours. I didn't think they were going to wait. We pulled up, and I was like, I can't believe they're still here. And so I was talking to one of the guys about, you know, the fact that they were waiting. It's like, man, we, you would never see that in a church in the U.S. And he said, you don't understand something. These people, some of them walked hours to be here this, to be here this afternoon. And this is the only church anywhere near them. They walked hours to be here to hear the message that you guys have for them and to worship with you. They weren't going anywhere. And that was, I, it just blew my mind. And then we went into this worship set and they started singing. It wasn't even in English. I, don't, I recognize the th- songs. You know, one of the great things about worship is it kind of transcends language. And they started singing. I'm thinking, I know this one. And all of a sudden, there's this huge worship experience that I'm involved in. And all of a sudden, when we get up, and I got the translator, and we started, we started teaching from Scripture, and, and people are engaging, and this church, people are making faith commitments. It's, and I'm thinking, they waited for us. And if they had not waited, we would have been robbed of all that joy. When we wait, when we're patient on what God has for us, there is joy to be found in that. And if we're constantly looking ahead saying, oh, I don't have to, they're not going to be there, and we make decisions based on something that we have no control of, we rob ourselves of the joy that is to be found in waiting. Jesus had been crucified. He was resurrected. And the disciples, I know, were confused about the future and what was going to happen and what it was going to look like. And on top of that all, they, they find themselves in Galilee. Jesus was supposed to be there, and now they're waiting again. And I can't help but feel sorry for Peter. <laughs> because Peter surfaces up at the top of the story. They're there together. Peter says, I had enough of this. I am going fishing. And so Peter makes the decision to no longer wait. I've got to go find something to do. I'm going to go fishing. And they said, hey, we're going to go with you. We're tired of waiting too. They went out. They got in the boat. That night, they caught Nothing. They were out there the whole night. Jesus, as the day was breaking, as that morning came, Jesus was throwing the store short. They're still out there. They had been out there all night with not one fish. Now keep in mind, these, this is the same group of guys that couldn't stay awake for an hour when Jesus was praying with them in the garden. Can you not just stay awake with me for an hour? They're out there all night trying to catch fish. John 15, 5 says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. They got tired of waiting on Jesus. They took it upon themselves to find something to do. They went fishing, and guess what? No fish, no fruit. There's nothing that we can accomplish apart from Christ. As you move into verse 5 and 7, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, he stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. He, Jesus asked them, hey, you guys were out there. Do you have any fish? No. He says, little children. And by the way, that's not a term of endearment, kind of like, you know, you child of God, or, you know, this is like, you infant. What are you guys doing out there? Did you guys catch any fish? No. He said, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you're going to find something. They cast it out. They were not able to haul it in. They got so many. And Peter is so excited. They put on his outer garment. He was stripped and he threw himself into the sea and began to swim, to swim to Jesus. Does that story sound familiar? This is not the first time we've seen this happen. 
The first time we saw it happen, there was a great catch of fish in Luke chapter 5, where it also involves Peter, it also involves the disciples. In Luke chapter 5, beginning verse 1, it says, On one occasion, the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear the word of God. He was standing by the lake of Gesenet, and he saw two boats by the lake. One of the fishermen had gone out of them, and they were washing their nets. Jesus got into one of the boats, which was Simon Peter's, and he asked him to put out a little while from the land. He sat down, and he taught the people from the boat. When he was done, he told Peter, put that net out and cash it into cast it into the sea so you can catch some fish. Simon Peter says, we've been out here all night and we got nothing. But at your word, I'll let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish. Their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners and the other boats to come and help them. They filled their boats with fish. We toiled all night. We're going to let the nets down anyway. They signaled to the partners to come and help collect all these fish. And look how Peter responds here. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me. I am a sinful man, O Lord. And so the first time we see this encounter with Jesus and Peter, there's a sense of desperation. There's a sense of brokenness. And by the time you get to John 21, we see Simon Peter Heard his Lord, he put on his outer garment, he was stripped, and he swam. He jumped into the water. He couldn't get to Jesus fast enough. The first time, he falls down on his knees saying, depart from me, for I'm a simple man. The second time, he couldn't get there fast enough. So fast, he wasn't even going to wait for the boat to get to shore. He jumped into the sea and started swimming to Jesus. What happened between those two stories? You know what happened? The resurrection. The resurrection is what happened. Peter's life and the life of the disciples, they were changed. Jesus is alive. He's come back to life. He is who he claimed to be. He saves us from our sin. He saves us from this lost and and broken world. Jesus gives us hope. He transforms our lives. And this should be a priority in our life. It excites us. There's, There's something exciting about who we are in Christ. And it's not just something that we celebrate occasionally throughout the year. It's a daily thing that we live with. And it's so easy to get consumed and pulled in by other priorities in this life that we forget who we belong to and what we've been called to do. In Luke chapter 5, verse 8, Peter responds to, to Jesus with a sense of humility, of unworthiness, of brokenness, his own sinfulness. He feels inadequate. There's a sense of fear and uncertainty in his life. And by the time you get to John chapter 21, Peter's response after the resurrection is characterized by a sense of hope a sense of hope and a desire to be close to Jesus, a sense of faith and resolve. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing, but through Christ, we can do all things. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask, think, or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. If there are two lessons that we can take from this appearance to the seven, it's these two. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing. We can go through life trying to do things our way without bearing any fruit. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing. But through Christ and through him working in us, we can do all things. As his power works within us, we're able to accomplish those things that he has for us. This is also not the first time that we've seen a charcoal fire. When we got to... Verse 9, when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire with the, with the fish laid out and the bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. <laughs> I love Simon Peter. 
He sees the charcoal fire. Jesus says to go get some fish. He says, somebody go get me some fish. And Simon Peter went, went aboard. He didn't just go. He jumped up. The sense of that word is he jumped up, he got to the boat, and he pulled the whole net by himself. You know, the first time we saw it was the disciples pulling the net. Yeah, I got a picture. Peter must have been a pretty big guy. He jumps up, and he, he's dragging this whole net ashore full of fish, 153 of them, although there were so many, the net was not torn. So I pictured Peter pulling this big catch of fish to Jesus. You know, there are times that there's a time when Peter would deny Jesus, you know, three times. The servant girl at the door before Jesus was crucified looked at Peter and said, hey, aren't you one of his disciples? Peter said, I'm not. The servant and the officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold and they were standing warming themselves. That charcoal fire is just a hot, it's a hot fire that you can stand by. So two times that it's mentioned from a scriptural perspective. We see it here when Jesus denies when Peter denies Jesus, and then we see it a second time when he uh, is on the shore. When he denied Peter the three times, or when Peter denied Jesus the three times earlier in Luke, he records this. Peter remembered the saying of the Lord and how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you're going to deny me three times. When Jesus had denied, when Peter had denied Jesus the first time by the, by the charcoal fire three times, on that third denial, Jesus looked over at him, and they were locked eye to eye. It's like, I told you you were going to deny me. Peter, after all this time, oh, I'll follow you to death, I'll follow you to death. And all of a sudden, the second, the second things go sideways, we're, we're so easily distracted. We're so easily distracted from following Jesus. And that's what happens to Peter. And, and it burns in Peter's minds. Have you ever been caught doing something? <laughs> when somebody just kind of looks at you, and you're just like, oh, you got me on that one. I was driving uh, around yesterday with my wife and uh, driving through traffic. I get to the red light and I come to a stop. I look over and she is looking at me like, I'm thinking, what? And I realized, I made a problem. I told her, I said, I'm going to drive more defensively. I'll leave more room to the car in front of me. And I realized, man, I had been zipping through there. I was going a little fast. I'm like, came to a stop. I came to a stop. And I'm, I'm not too close to the car, but she's looking at me. And I'm thinking, I know exactly what you're thinking. <laughs> Have you ever been caught doing something that you told somebody that you would not do before and here you are, you're doing it again? You know, there's a sense of dread that intensifies when you get caught doing something that you said you would never do. Before Peter became the the bold apostle of Christ, he went through a time of great brokenness. And when Peter sees that charcoal fire and it comes to his mind, he sees an opportunity to get it right. I'm going to go get those fish for you. I'll be right back. You know, Peter had saw this charcoal fire. And when Jesus asked him to get the fish, he was excited about the chance to get it right. Jesus invites his disciples to join him for a meal on the shore after that, where he has prepared this fish and, these, and the bread. He said to me, he said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples at this point asked who you are, because they knew it was the Lord. There was no question. Jesus came and took the bread and he gave it to them and so it was with the fish. And this was now the third time that Jesus revealed the disciples in this way after he was raised from the dead. And so, you know, we celebrate, we celebrate communion. And we're going to celebrate communion when we get to the back half of this verse. But you know what's fun to think about? We should celebrate, instead of the last supper, the first breakfast. <laughs> We should have a first breakfast celebration. In fact, I don't think I'll get away with starting that, but 
this meal that they're sharing together symbolizes a new sense of community that they're now a part of with Jesus in the middle. It symbolizes a new sense of community. It it symbolizes a new fellowship. It, It symbolizes, you know, forgiveness and restoration and life transformation. And they're invited to come partake of this meal together. And we're invited in that same way to have an intimate relationship with Jesus through communion and through fellowship. And that's what we've been called to, to celebrate together as well. Jesus offers us forgiveness and restoration to all who seek him, regardless of their past failures. And so as we look at these seven disciples and the lessons that we can learn, we know that apart from Christ, we can do nothing. We know that through Christ, we can accomplish all things through him that works his power in us. And we know that the resurrection is life transformational. The resurrection transforms us. It makes us different. There's something different about us today than there was prior to we have a relationship with Christ. It transforms us. I had uh, an opportunity to uh, talk to a a gentleman that um, just finished up our Alpha workshop. He was one of the three people that made a faith commitment. And uh, he's going to get baptized soon. And so I just want to show you just a just a little snippet from some of the, one story that he shared with me last week. Somebody asked him, what did you get out of Alpha? And he says this. He said, he paused. First of all, I thought about it because I wanted to choose my words wisely. He said this, it changed my life. He said, I've heard it said that God puts people in our lives at times for reasons. I think that I have mostly ignored, overlooked, or debunked previous God-orchestrated life-altering, you know, inventions, he calls them. He said, this time was different though. He said, I chose to listen with an open mind and most importantly, an open heart. He said, I am in awe of God's mercy and grace. Now, I've never seen it like this before. I now see through a lens that alters everything about my life. I acknowledge, I give thanks for the people that God has put in my life and the work that God is doing in me now. My next steps are this. He goes, I have accepted an invitation to join a men's small group. I'd like more information on how I can become a member at Springbrook. He said, I would like to publicly confess my faith in Christ and be baptized. Will you baptize me? (laughs) Yes, that's awesome. Amen, right? I am looking forward to being at church every Sunday where I can grow in my faith and in knowledge of my love as I serve the Lord. I've shared my faith. (laughs) I have shared my faith. You know who's more excited about a relationship with Christ than anybody else? Somebody just made a faith commitment. There's something about that first love that just, it's like, oh, I've been changed. I am new. Praise God. He said, I have been sharing my faith journey with others of late, knowing that there have been countless other people in my life that have been praying for me. I am so excited about what God is doing in my life. You know, we're going through this series on the resurrection. It's just, it's 40 days that Jesus appeared to his disciples. And, but the lessons in here are so relevant for us today. We desperately need to hear from and be in the presence of Christ today, more than at any other time. As I look around at some of the things that people are struggling with, some of the things that you know, people are you know, commenting on and, and making decisions based on, it's like, I just want to say, you know, Jesus can fix that. I was watching a movie the other day, and at the end he goes, I can fix that. I forgot the name of the movie. But it was like, I keep wanting to say, you know, Jesus can fix that. <laughs> Jesus can fix that. I don't know what you've got going on in your life this morning. 
I don't know if you're secure in who you are in Christ or if you still have questions about that, but regardless of where you are, God wants to grow us in our faith so that we can begin to experience life and life to the full. And so if you don't have a relationship with Christ and you have questions about that, man, today is the day for you to say, hey, I want to know more about a relationship with Christ. All you have to do is, is indicate that on your connection card. If you're watching with us online, you, know, you can ask one of our online hosts. Or you can text this number. You can fill out that communication card. You can come talk to me after the service. <laughs> we make it so easy for people to say, hey, I've got questions. You know, if you want to cross over that line of faith, then today is a great day to do that. Please let us know how we can help you. And if, you're, if you've made a faith commitment, and you're feeling stagnant and growing, you know, let us know how we can help you. Maybe you're more mature in your faith and you're looking for an opportunity to have a, a missional impact on our community. We'd love the opportunity to talk with you regardless of where you find yourself today. We want to encourage you to take the next step on your spiritual journey. Please let us know how we can help you. You know, I had, uh, I had asked um, at the beginning of our service how many of you have had an opportunity to just to engage in conversations with others. Take the next week just to pray about an opportunity for you to, to ask somebody else about what they believe. The, the things that we're talking about have an internal impact. They're important. They matter. I pray that God will continue to draw each of us closer to yourself. I'm looking forward to as we continue to work through this series. We've got some exciting things as planned as we move towards the summer and the fall. You know, because you know me, I'm looking forward. But I also pray that in the moment of this day that you're able to engage afresh and anew, just a renewed sense of the Holy Spirit as he works in and through our lives. Would you pray with me? Father, I just thank you for this day you've given us today. I thank you for um, the life-transforming power of the good news about Christ. And I thank you for the work that you're doing in and through uh, this body of Christ, through our, our family and our community. God, just give us favor as we seek to share the good news that we have in Christ with others that might be watching. I pray that you continue to strengthen us in our faith, encourage us as we sharpen one another up and become mature followers of Christ as we seek to fulfill the great commission and the great commandments. Help us to each be able to have a sense of a, a renewed sense of your presence working in us. God, we commit this day to you. And we look forward to all that you have for us. This day is yours. And I just pray for a continued sense of your presence uh, throughout the day. We look forward to all that you have for us. We commit it to you and for your glory. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand with us and sing one more time this morning?
Thank you for coming this morning. Thank you for joining us. And as Rich mentioned at the early part of the service, as he was giving his message, he was talking about waiting. So I would challenge us this week as we go, you, me, every one of us, as we have those moments in our life where we have to wait. I'm waiting on my wife because she went to put the dogs away and I'm trying to leave. Reflect on this moment right now and the glory of God and the word we just sang. So go this week and reflect on that.